This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. All right, welcome back to Sportsbook. We have talked so much recently about NFL and also golf, which we love to hit on this podcast. We haven't talked as much in a little bit now about boxing. Uh, loyal listeners will remember about a year ago, we had Jonathan Eig on the show. He is the author of a big new book on Muhammad Ali. That was a fun one. So it's time to return to boxing, uh, the sweet science. Out this week is a new ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. It's called 42 to 1. It's about when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson in 1990. It was a huge upset that now, fast forward to 2018, a lot of sports fans may not remember. This 30 for 30 is co-directed by Jeremy Schapp, whom a lot of people know from E60. And Jeremy joins us now via phone. Hey, Jeremy. Dan, thanks for having me. I love to talk about this, uh, this doc. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Well, I love to talk about boxing. Um, recently on our Yahoo Finance live shows, we've had in a lot of people from this world. Oscar De La Hoya is always out there talking. Mm-hmm. You know, he reps Canelo now. And uh, I've yeah. written a lot about DAZN, this new streaming platform, which is a, uh, an interesting option and is now the exclusive streamer of Canelo fights. So I think there are some interesting things happening in the boxing business right now. Oh, no doubt. And I think, um, you know, as, as we sit here speaking, we're kind of in the afterglow of the Wilder Fury heavyweight championship fight out in L.A., which Absolutely. I think is really given the sport a jolt. I mean, we have not been talking about heavyweights in this country in a long time. You know, the Klitschko brothers took the heavyweight belts and kind of ran away with them uh, to Europe for a long time. And it's it's uh, disorienting for American fans because that was uh, that was an American <laughs> possession for a very long right. time uh, with few brief interludes there, uh, you know, uh, Lennox Lewis and Ingemar Johansson and Max right. Schmeling. So to have the, he- the heavyweights at the center of the conversation in sports again is uh, an interesting and positive development for boxing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. And we, we will get to uh, the 30 for 30. But, you know, because you mentioned the fight, yeah, I felt like for a while, you know, Deontay Wilder, he's not new, but he was, is it fair to say, under the radar. And a lot of sports fans, even here in the States, he, they didn't know who he was. But this Fury fight brought him to the fore. No doubt about it. And, and although, um, you know, we could disagree about whether the split draw was a good decision, a bad decision. Right the right decision. Uh, Wilder did demonstrate that remarkable power that he has in the ninth and the 12th rounds with the knockdowns of Fury, who otherwise was pretty much dominating the fight. And and, and let's face it, you know, what people want to see are the knockdowns, what Fury's got going for him, you know, and what could be beneficial to the entire sport is that big personality and that incredible story, personal story. And now we've got this kind of round robin, hopefully that's getting set set up with Wilder and Fury, maybe a rematch, Anthony Joshua, you know, either it's Joshua Fury or it's right. Joshua Wilder or it's Fury Wilder again. There's some interesting permutations here. You know, the question always in boxing is, do these fights get made, you know, before yeah. people kind of walk away and lose interest? Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the personality and, you know, Wilder is a story. Uh, speaking of stories, let's talk about the new 30 for 30. You know, I, I was uh, three years old in 1990, so, you know, I don't remember Your this. Child. Yeah, child. Um, I don't remember this big upset, but it just sounds like a wild story. And now I think that the documentary will remind everyone. Tell me a little bit about how it uh, came to be. Yeah, well, Dad, I don't like to traffic in hyperbole, but I think it is the greatest upset in the history of sports, wow. uh, bar, bar none. And it's one of the great stories ever in sports. And I've been really fascinated by it uh, since the moment it took place. I'm 
I'm uh, significantly much older than you. I was uh, <laughs> 20 years old at the time it took place. And like just about everybody else who paid even the slightest amount of attention to sports, Mike Tyson was a, a you know, a huge figure, a big presence um, uh, for me. And, and he was the biggest star on the planet at the time. And for a guy who was relatively unknown, uh, who was given uh, not even a snowball's chance, uh, of winning this fight to pull it off and, and not just to pull it off, but to do it with heart and demonstrating skill and resolve and getting up off the canvas in the eighth round after Tyson knocks him down Whew. to fashion this kind of upset. You know, it, it, it's, it defies, um, it defies nonfiction. You know, it, I mean, fiction, it could only be nonfiction right. because it's too improbable otherwise. And, and I've always been interested in it. And so, um, you know, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time—a deep dive on it. And uh, just uh, just over a year ago, you know, we got the green light from the Thirty for Thirty team to do it. And and uh, uh, you know, there's no time hook. Sometimes these things, there's an anniversary, right. something like that. This this is just a great story. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, one of my editors uh, at Fortune magazine years ago told me something I never forgot, which was an anniversary is not a news peg. And of course, <laughs> m- many outlets ignore that, but I I agree. <laughs> I agree whole, wholeheartedly. Otherwise, we'd have to wait until the 30th anniversary, which is still, you know, like 16 months away or something right. like that. Uh, I can't really do 14. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make you uh, give away too much of what happens, you know, and, and we want people to, to watch and find out the story. But, uh, you know, obviously, Buster Douglas, fair to say, he is not one of the most famous legendary names in boxing these days when you think right. of famous boxers of the past. What happened to him after this upset? Why didn't he uh, become a bigger face brand? Well, you know, so, and that's really, um, you know, that is a part of the story that we don't deal with uh, at mm. great length. And we, we okay. made the conscious decision, uh, me and my co-director, Ben Hauser, uh, whom I've worked with for, for 20 years at ESPN, that this was not, um, this is not a full-scale biography. This is not Buster's life story. This is his story up to and including the greatest upset ever in sports and how he fashioned it, where he was coming from. Um, all that being said, what happens afterwards uh, is he gets the he gets the biggest paycheck in the history of sports at the time, twenty four million dollars to Ooh. fight uh, Evander Holyfield, which is the you know equivalent to forty eight million dollars today. Uh, the Tyson fight up to that point had been his biggest purse, and I think it was one point two. So he gets this enormous paycheck, and you know it, it's. It's a little bit one of those, uh, you know, is that all there is stories? You know, he, he reaches the mountaintop. He looks around like Alexander. There are no more worlds left to conquer. <sighs> and he gets the paycheck, and there's turmoil in his camp. Everybody's grabbing at him. You know, we all know, you know, how the money can uh, solve problems, and it can create, create problems. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so by the time he gets around to fighting Holyfield later in the year, he's lost his motivation and his will, and he does not uh, – uh, put on a performance that that is uh, something I think he would be proud of, and then he retires, and he comes back a few years later, you know. Uh, but at that point, you know, uh, the string has been played out essentially, and um, and that's the story, and that's part of the reason why I think people dismiss and diminish Buster's achievement because he didn't follow up on it. 
But to me, that's not what this is about. I mean, you know, we celebrate, you know, a, a lot of great singular achievements without feeling a need to diminish them uh, because of the epilogue. You know, I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't make a difference to the Miracle on Ice story right. how the careers of those guys ended up in the NHL. And some of them, of course, you know, retired afterwards and didn't play again. You know, it's, it's about this moment. It's about um, – this stunning upset and it's about a guy who has a very compelling to me anyway uh backstory and, and ultimately it's about it's about fathers and sons and his relationship the dynamic with his father who had been a fighter himself and with his mother who uh if people remember anything uh about the buster story beyond the headline knocking out mike tyson they remember that shortly before the fight his mother died wow and, he, and, and she was his rock wow that is, uh, yeah, the, the emotion is obviously there already. So a story that seems right. ready-made to, to go to a movie. Right. It, it is cinematic, you know. And, um, and there's something about Buster, too. I've known him for a long time. You know, he, he's also not a self-promoter mm. in a sport that uh, rewards that, which sometimes requires it. You know, he's not been the guy who's been out there promoting himself. He's not been, you know, doing movie cameos. He's... He, he's um, He's soft-spoken for the most part, but I think his words make an impact. And he's not um, hes not someone who creates false sense of drama when you're interviewing him. Mm. And, and he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't insert himself in kind of the, you know, pop culture at the time, which he could have. It's just not his nature. So that's, that's part of the reason I think the story um, uh, has so many, has so much potential to be told in this kind of a platform because people don't know it. They don't know yeah. the second, they know the first thing about him. <laughs> they don't know the second thing about him. Right. And that's, that's kind of, you know, I, I keep coming back to this talking about it. that's kind of the sweet spot. I think for, for these, these stories from history. Yeah. The sweet spot in this story about the sweet science. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and, uh, you know, people know Mike Tyson's story. Oh I mean, yeah. We've told it so many, I've told it 150 yeah. times. It has been I've, well I've plumbed. Mike, right. I, I, I've told it a million times. Mike's a fascinating character. He continues to fascinate 29 years after Buster knocked him out. Um, and he sucked up so much of the oxygen when we talk about, boxing in this era and, and there are other stories to be told from other perspectives and most importantly i think it's the guy who put an end to this aura of invincibility you know no it's easy for us to say you know to say now well it was only a matter of time before mike ran into a buzzsaw it's only a matter of time before you know his his wild lifestyle cost him in the ring or before some bigger guy figured him out or before he was exposed as having this uh limited skill set whatever it was none of that was the conventional wisdom before Buster Douglas got in the ring with him at the Tokyo Dome on February 11, 1990. Wow. Uh, you know, Jeremy, we have authors in here all the time. I love to bring in guests who are authors of new sports-related books. I mentioned uh, in my intro we had Jonathan Eig here. His new book is Ali. Uh, we what talked to him about book. that. Yes, it was. Great book. Yep. Uh, totally exhaustive. Um, yeah. But, you know, compelling. And um, we had Jeff Perlman in here. He has a new book out about the USFL and its yep. demise. We had Michael Lewis. And I always ask them, okay, you're in here because you've written a new sports-related book. What is your favorite? Uh, so let me ask you, as co-director of this doc, what are some of your favorite ever sports movies, I guess documentary or otherwise? Oh, that's um, uh, that's fun to talk about. Uh, you know, I, 
I could, I'd have to think about the documentaries. I mean, there are so many great ones. There are iconic ones. And part of this film is kind of an homage also. Uh, we take Buster Douglas back to Tokyo to the scene of the fight, which is what oh, wow. uh, Bud Greenspan did with Jesse Owens in, in you know, I think uh, his first of those documentaries and perhaps most memorable, Jesse Owens Returns to Berlin. I wrote a book about Jesse Owens in the Olympics. Um, the sports movies that really made an impact for me, and so many of them are about boxing, right? Because boxing lends itself yes. to dramatic storytelling. I mean, you know, Rocky's a great movie. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard <laughs> to beat Rocky. I guess I think there are three sports films that have ever won Best Picture, Million Dollar Baby, Rocky, and Chariots of Fire. Wow. And those are three great, great movies. I mean, I, I I love Chariots of Fire when that came out. I think it was 81, 82, and I was about 10, uh, 11, 12 years old. And I've always been into the Olympics and um, something of an Anglophile. And so the story that it told about uh, Harold Abrahams and Eric Little, uh, that's a great movie. Vangelis soundtrack, it's just perfectly realized, I think, Chariots of Fire. I love that one. Um you know, I also happen to have a very soft spot in my heart. I think it's something to do with my age at the time it came out for The Bad News Bears. It oh, yeah. It's a great sports movie. It does not get enough credit. I mean, Walter <laughs> Matthau's performance. Of course, now you could never make that movie because um, Matthau would be prosecuted for child abuse for the <laughs> right. things that his they, character they tried. does in the movie. They tried with <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, but yeah. That's right. Uh, um, you know, it's... Um, well, I totally forgot. I totally forgot they did a remake with Billy Bob Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great one. You know, there are the, uh, what else am I going to, I mean, you know, Pride of the Yankees is mm. iconic. I mean, you know, some of the obvious ones, uh, too, but, uh, um, bang the drum slowly. If you've ever seen that, no. with Michael Moriarty and Robert De Niro in, no. I think it's his first starring role. So it's, it's based on, um, uh, what's his name on the Mark Harris novel, Bang the Drum Slowly, huh. and it's it's about uh, uh, the friendship between a pitcher who's kind of modeled on like a Tom Seaver like character, very uh. polished, and his less polished battery mate catcher, uh, oh, played by De Niro, Henry Wigan. That's right. I'm looking that's it up right. while we're that's, chatting. That's yeah, the, that's the Moriarty character's name, and um, it's a great movie. It's a great wow. movie. And Moriarty is one of my favorite actors, uh, and nobody, nobody, nobody talks about. I think, I think he's in semi seclusion or something mm. like that. I think he's, uh, he's some kind of a recluse. I think. I'll give you one, Jeremy, that I saw recently, and uh, boy, mm. I waited too long. And now that I've seen it, it's just it really opened my eyes. North Dallas Forty, which I think has got to oh. be the best football movie I've seen. It's so dead on, even now, still years yep. and years and years later. Well, I will say this: North Dallas Forty is a much better movie than the film with which it is often confused, in which my father played a very small supporting role. It's kind of, they're kind of like opposite sides of the same coin. North Dallas Forty, you know, the Pete Gent novel, hard-edged, um, cynical, and on the other side, the uh, uh, semi-tough, which is based on the, you know. Uh, um, satirical Dan Jenkins novel, but okay. you know, the, the, it, it's more of kind of a, uh, um, uh, it's it's a funnier look at football, mm. with a, with a less serious one. But right. yeah, my dad, my dad interviews uh, uh, Burt Reynolds in a scene uh-huh. in uh, in uh, Semi Tough, which is when Burt Reynolds died. I went back to look; it was very funny. He's interviewing uh, Carl Weathers and oh. and Burt Reynolds. It's just it's just really funny. Yeah. You should YouTube it. Okay, uh, but North Dallas Forty, 
is a better movie. There's no doubt. Uh, and, and look, and I love Bull Durham. I mean, we could talk about oh, sure. that. I, right. I feel like Adnan Burke. Um, <laughs> but I, I love I love Bull Durham. It's a great movie. I'm going to admit something. I'm going to take a lot of grief for this. I know it. The minute, you know, the second <laughs> the words come out. But um, uh, Field of Dreams, to me, is just kind of overwrought. Hey, now. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just like, I, and I love the book. Um, I love Kinsella, uh, but right. the movie was just like, okay, I get it. Interesting. You know, it, it was it was a little it was a little much for me. It's a I good mean, take. Like, I like I that take. Joe, thank you. If I if I watch a Joe Jackson movie, I watch Eight Men Out, John Sales. Right. Wow. Uh, you know, talking about these Sorry. movies. No, it's it's a good segue because right now in pop culture, you know, boxing is certainly big in the movies. You've got Creed two out, and uh, right. the first Creed was I thought very cool. I enjoyed it. Um, I do plan to watch the second one at some point. And yet, uh, to zoom out a bit and go back to what we started talking about at the beginning, I mean, boxing as a sport, you know, a lot of people will tell you that it is in decline. Uh, I mean, you look at, it seems like it takes a Mayweather fight to really generate buzz and attention. And then the Mayweather-McGregor, we can debate that, but, you know, I I saw that as kind of bad for boxing in the end. Just such a silly spectacle. Um, So I'd ask you your take on kind of the state of boxing from a regular sports fan's point of view can it become as popular as it was or would you argue it is it is on that route already see i wouldn't argue that i mean look you know i i kind of uh parachute in and out of the boxing world you know there was a time i was very involved covering boxing from like 95 to 2005 i wrote a book about the heavyweights in the 1930s i'm doing this project and so you know i have a lot of friends who are much more immersed in the world on a daily basis look the fact is that boxing um globally is doing just fine you know, the big fights get huge right. audiences in other parts of the world. If you're talking about America, which is, you know, I think what we're talking about, of course it's in decline. Of course it's not a yep. part of the conversation the way that it was 50 or 60 or 70 or 100 years ago. And, and, and you know, I, there are a lot of reasons, and this is something, you know, we, you know, I've talked about a lot over the years. There are a lot of things we can attribute that to. I mean, part of it is things just change. You know, society changes. You know, the idea of getting into a ring and risking everything and pummeling somebody else and, um, you know, uh, uh, rendering them unconscious is not as appealing to a, mm. a wide audience as it once was. And it's farther from the experience of most people than it was when we were more agrarian uh, uh, society with rougher edges, uh, you know, sure. rural and urban, whatever. Yep. But, but it's also about... Uh, uh, it's also about technology and an economic model that has made the sports best stuff available only above a very high, prohibitively high paywall. Yep, you know, you're, absolutely. You're not going to grow the sport. You're not going to make it more popular by charging people $75, $90 to see the premier events. I mean, anybody can tell you that, but once you get invested in a model like that and there is so much money available for the people at the very top of the pyramid, you know, whether we're talking about the promoters or the fighters themselves, yeah. the managers, you know, it's hard to move out of that model because who's going to, you know, Floyd Mayweather's not going to say, all right, instead of taking $400 million for this fight, I'll take $70 million, so the next generation of sports fans will be more into boxing. Right. You know, it's just not going to work that way. So you know, nobody would argue that the Super Bowl or the, or that the NFL would be in better shape if, the, if you had to pay $150 Pay-per-view. to watch the Super Bowl, yeah. right? Or, you know, so, um, yeah, that's where we stand. I mean, so, so boxing has, has made itself, if not a niche sport, 
obviously much less of a mainstream sport here in the U.S., and I'm not sure that there's a way to punch its way out of that corner, mm. um, but but there are always going to be guys who, or there will occasionally be guys who transcend that, who break through the clutter, who become uh, crossover, transcendent stars, and, and that's that's what the sport has to always be on the lookout now for is like, the one guy yep. for each generation, and rather than um, building something from the grassroots. Might that be Canelo? There's certainly a lot of buzz around him. Might it be Deontay Wilder, or we haven't seen it yet, the next person who can attract the buzz that Floyd did? I think, I think uh, you know, Deontay's 33 years old. He's 40-0-1. He's got tremendous punching power. Most people, you know, I think think that he he lost that fight to Tyson Fury, as we said before. You know, maybe there's a rematch, maybe there's a Joshua fight. Um, I think an Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight, if they're you know if they manage to both stay undefeated until uh, they get to that point, I think is a big 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 deal, mm. and it will generate hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and Wilder can if he finds a way to win that fight because he's an American guy and he's going to bring the title back over here instead of it, you know, always being contested in Germany or at Wembley, right. uh, that would be huge. Um, but, uh, I don't know if he has, um, who knows if he has the boxing skills to make it, uh, uh, you know, or, or he's got, you know, the years in his tank to make it something that really carries the sport for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, just quickly, I'd be interested, Jeremy, to get your take, because we're talking about the state of boxing and uh, tastes changing, the rise of the UFC and, and mixed martial arts. Uh, is that something you've watched, and what's your opinion there? You know, I, I, I've watched from a distance. I, I have not um, I have not really familiarized myself. Look, I've done a lot of stories over the years about particular fighters with big followings and issues, and, I, you know, we all talked a lot about, uh, you know, um, Floyd and Connor, uh, when they fought. And, um, I know so many people who love it, who are invested in it. Uh, I, I think, um, I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, but again, you know, you're dealing with this pay-per-view model where the biggest stuff is behind there. And so you're not going to have those massive audiences. You're not going to have, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to challenge, uh, you know the big, big, big sports, uh, and you're and you have a problem. You know when you only have one or two guys that anybody knows, and that's what happens. You know um, when you're signaling to everyone out there that the only fights that matter are the ones that you got to pay this X amount of money to see. Right. Um, you know, but but clearly, uh, you know, the growth of mixed martial arts and UFC's success in particular. Uh, has been has been stunning and something that people did not foresee. I mean, one thing you know, Dan, you you know as well as I do. Uh, you know, everybody um, everybody makes predictions and nobody's good at it, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and no so, one talks about it when they were wrong either. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, uh, really interesting, a lot to talk about with the sport, and I'm sure that the new movie will generate more of that talk. It is a 30 for 30 called 42 to 1, and Jeremy Schapp is the co-director. Thanks, Jeremy, for joining us. Dan, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, good stuff. Great talk. All right, I thought that was a good conversation with Jeremy, a really interesting journalist, of course, award-winning journalist, and if you've seen him on E60, you know the good work they do in terms of investigative stuff. 
you know, I haven't actually seen that many 30 for 30s. I certainly have friends who are huge fans of them and have watched all of them. Uh, I thought the one on USC was great with, you know, the Bush push and everything that happened there with USC and, uh, you know, the punishments. Uh, I've seen Broke with my uh, former colleague across the aisle at Time, Inc., Pablo Torre, uh, who used to be at Sports Illustrated when I was at Fortune, and we co-wrote a story together. Uh, a couple other memorable ones, but, you know, there's a huge library of 30 for 30s, and I didn't ask Jeremy about this, but what's interesting is that ESPN, you know, I've written a lot about what they've tried with ESPN+, Plus, which is the new streaming service. Uh, it hit 1 million paying subscribers pretty quickly, and every single 30 for 30 is on ESPN+. Plus. So people talk about, well, what live sports does it have? Oh, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. But if you are a fan of 30 for 30s, then ESPN+, Plus at $5 a month, is probably a very good deal. Uh, it's got all of them, the entire library. So we'll see how this one does. Of course, the other interesting note here, and I mentioned it briefly with Jeremy, but what is going on with boxing in a streaming sense? Uh, we've had the CEO of DAZN in here, D-A-Z-N. That's a UK sports streaming platform that has tried to market itself as the Netflix of sports. And it just recently launched in the U.S., and its big selling point right now, boxing. In fact, that's all it has, boxing and MMA. So it is trying to grow at first with only combat sports. And that is because those rights are kind of gettable, cheaper, very hard to be able to get NFL or NBA streaming rights. But uh, DAZN is the exclusive streaming home of all of the Canelo Alvarez fights. And then, of course, ESPN doing its own thing with ESPN+. Plus. There is some boxing on ESPN+, Plus as well. Uh, we recently had Vladimir Klitschko in here. Jeremy Schapp mentioned Klitschko in our chat. And uh, we asked Klitschko about streaming, and, and he said he thinks streaming has completely changed the sport uh, permanently. He said, digitalization changed the sport, boxing got bigger and better, and now probably Canelo fights will be watched all around the world, not just in the U.S., due to the internet, which uh, is true. Hard to argue with that. And of course, Jeremy and I were hitting a lot on uh, pay-per-view and the problems with the pay-per-view model. So safe to say, even if you're not a huge boxing fan, there's a lot of interesting business shifts going on in the world of boxing. And great to have Jeremy Schapp on here. This is Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We come out every Thursday morning. Over the next few weeks, we have a number of good outside guests. So stay tuned. Keep listening. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.